three friends. One mystery topic, no holds barred conversation. Welcome to Brotherhood of Banter, season three. Welcome to the final episode of season three. My name is Edgar. I'm Diego. And Lewis. And we are the Brotherhood of Banter. Let me ask a familiar question. How are we feeling? I'm feeling happy, man. I'm s- I feel so happy right now. I'm just happy. That's all I can say. I'm just happy. I'm nice and full. I just ate some ribs and some chicken and some fried rice. Uh, good stuff. And I'm having my Damn, delicious Corona, you? not Coronita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, gro- you're all grown now, son. Very proudly. <laughs> so I yeah. I'm, I'm drinking a, a, a glass of Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich, which I learned the pronunciation, the proper pronunciation of just a few minutes ago. Glenfiddich. Is it a little stronger than what you're used to drinking? Bro, it, I think the strength is, is more or less the same, but the flavor. This is now officially my, it's not the first time that I drink it. I've, I've been, I cracked open the bottle a couple of weeks ago, but this has now become my go-to scotch. This is, there's a sweetness to it that I haven't tasted yet in any other scotch. This is my favorite now. I'm, I'm in love. Damn, so the other one's out? They're not out, but I'm going to give them less quality time. It's like, this is my wifey, and then the others are concubines when it comes to my consumption of uh, scotch. I look forward to tasting it uh, when I go up there. No, no, I'm not not sharing her. I'm not sharing her. Oh, never mind. So I get the side chicks. You get the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can go go to town on my concubines. (laughs) I'm not even going to answer that. That just sounds completely wrong. So how are you feeling uh, about the end of our season three? I mean, it feels like it was just a blur. I don't know. I feel I feel like uh, I feel like it's a nice a uh, a nice accomplishment because of the new format that we had going with the uh, you know the mystery question. I, I really enjoyed that. I felt like that brought a different kind of energy to each episode because you didn't know what you were walking into, you know, when when it wasn't your turn. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I feel like we were onto something there and I just love to feel how the podcast like evolves, you know. I'm yeah. also high. Yeah. High right now, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> to add on to what Diego was saying, it's like we do have, you know, trying out this whole new um uh, style of of how we're going to be doing stuff and um you know it, it's good you know it's it's good ref- it's good reflection on how we interact with each other and the whole surprise topic obviously helps uh you know literally surprise us in the middle of uh of the recordings um and uh, hoping to get some feedback from uh, the listeners uh maybe we see uh their points of view what they want to hear next season type of scenarios but uh overall i'm happy it's like a bittersweet thing you know, it's like, okay, we did it. And now it's like, oh, no, we did it. Yeah, I mean, so far, you know, we're going to continue. We're going to go into a season four. And hopefully, like Lou said, you know, that you guys like this whole entire setup because it does make it easier for all of us, you know, because we, we normally decide on different topics for the whole season. And then, you know, one of us will take the, the role of kind of like preparing the conversation and asking the questions and all that but in this case we all got to be like the main host you know every time we did our own topic so it, it does make things easier definitely and like you said yeah it's a little bittersweet because we we accomplished it and hopefully everybody enjoyed it and remember just 
write to us about anything, whether you have questions, comics, you know, topic suggestions, comics. talk about comments. Pretty sure you said comics, which is really cool. If you want to write to us about comics, I will totally chat with you about comics. Hey, the Brotherhood of Banter comic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's to come. But just, uh, you know, talk to us about anything, you know, anything that's going on in your life. You know, we're here to listen. You can find us at brosofbanter at gmail.com. So, guys, should we get into our topic of the day? Let's fucking do it. Done. And now for today's mystery topic. So what is it that we do on the end of every season? We say goodbye, adios, until tomorrow, or maybe see you later. Closing on today's... time. No, you just keep talking. I'm just I'm in the same background. On today's... I like that song. Oh. On today's topic, we will talk about some of our most meaningful farewells. All right. So today we're going to kind of keep it just a little bit casual. Just talk about some of our, like we said, most meaningful uh, farewells that we've had. So let's get into who wants to start us off. I guess we we should start from, even though they're all going to be impactful in our lives, I guess from the least to most, or should we just mix it up? I guess mix it up. Unless Diego, you have a preference? Not really. Yeah, right. we can mix it up. We can mix it up. Because I think it might be, it might be kind of hard to qualify them that way. Like just thinking about, about the things that I'm probably going to mention. It's kind of hard to really figure out which is more important than, than the other. All right. Well, for me, I kind of do have, you know, these two most. But, I mean, they all impacted me, impacted me, but, you know, they were all a bit different and some so, longer than others. So, so why, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you start with your least? Okay. So with my least and I don't really want to say my least because, you know, it definitely was something that did hurt at the time. I, I, it was momentarily for, I guess, a few months that it, it, while I was gone. So to give you an idea of why it is that I had to like say farewell to someone, and it was only for a short amount of time, like I said, you know, I eventually saw them again. It was when I decided to, to move to California. And at that time, I believe I was like 20, 21. And it was a very tough year, which I'll get into with the other farewells. But it was my my little brother, actually, my little brother. You know, we're between all the siblings, there's four of us, my little brother being the youngest. And for whatever reason, he's the one that I'm the most connected to. So a lot of the things that he does, either, you know, it brings me a lot of joy or it can bring me a lot of sadness. In this case, I feel that it was a lot of sadness at the time. And I decided to move to Cali because of, like I said, different situations. And I remember I would take him to school every morning before I would go to work. So this time it was like, he he was in what grade? So at this point, uh, there's like a 13 year, you know, age difference between us. So I think he was, um, let me see, probably like six, seven, somewhere around there. So I was dropping him off in, in elementary school. So it was, yeah. So it was, you know, he would go with his little book bag and his little lunchbox. He would wear his little hat. So we knew this was going to be the last time that I was going to drop him off. So on the way over there, you know, we talked about everything that you could possibly talk to like a little kid. I dropped him off, you know, at elementary school. And since I was leaving from there and catching the road, like I I dropped him off earlier than I normally did. So I dropped him off at school and I hugged him. You know, it was like I didn't want to let the little kid go. 
So he gets out of the car, and what made it even worse is that he didn't go straight into his classroom. He just kind of stood outside. And as I drove away, like, I looked from the rearview mirror, and he was kind of, like, waving. But it was, like, the that slow wave with tears in his eyes, and, like, he didn't even know where to look. And, like, eventually he kind of, like, started walking towards me, like, if he was going to catch up to me or try to call me back. And I just had to keep driving, man. And that shit God tore damn, me that's up. That's so sad, bro. It's <laughs> like a movie, man. Yeah. That's like a movie. Yeah, that shit <laughs> tore me up, man. And that thing like hurt me like the entire drive. So yeah, it was like, you know, to this day we are very tight. And like I said, you know, everything that he does mm-hmm. affects me or makes me proud of him. At- when when was the next time that you saw him after that? Like how much time passed? Almost two years by the time I came back. So oh, yeah, nice. it was, so I how, was, how, how was it when you guys, uh, re-encountered each other? When I came back, it was, it was super exciting. When I came back, they didn't even know I was coming back. So I, and this wasn't even planned. I just ended up showing like on a, on a weekend day. So my whole family was out. So I ended up getting there and, you know, you're there like, oh man, they're going to be so excited to see me and all that crap. And then and, you show up at an empty house. Was there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fuck it. I was like, let me, let me just adapt to this. Let me go hide my car. Let me surprise them when they show up. So eventually I think my, my dad was the first one to show up. I said hello to him. He was like, you know, wondering, he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, you know, this was not expected. So he thought I was just visiting till he saw, you know, freaking all my luggage in the kitchen. So he's like, oh, okay, so so you're back. But it was like one of those like excitements and like shit. Like, you know, I, it's another one that I got to feed at this time because <laughs> I didn't have a, a place to go to at the time. But then my little yeah. brother showed up from wherever he was, his friend's house or wherever. And it was just like that connection again. And we never lost it. We never did. It wasn't, it was short lived till I moved again. So it wasn't as bad the second time around when I moved to Texas. But yeah, man, that would have to be like, like my, my least, I guess, but I don't even want to say that. It's just that the other two were like a little bit harder because <clears throat> he's my brother. So, you know, you're going to see him again, you know, he's part of the family. Right. Well, plus, I mean, yeah, like it wasn't a final goodbye either, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you did come back together. So that makes it a little bit less, uh, I guess, I don't know, less. Yeah, I'm high. I'm sorry. <laughs> <All> right, <that's... laughs> Next. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll go next. Um, <laughs> um, it would be like when, when, when can I think of when my parents and like uh, sister and everybody moved, you know, to to San Antonio, Texas, or, or to Florida. You know, it's like you know we would travel and, and now and then, uh, you know, like together. But at that point, it was like, okay, that's it. You know. Bye guys, and we're on to the next part of our lives. And when when I look back, it's just it's just so it was just you know all of a sudden it was kind of like okay they're suddenly they're they're moving down they're going to be doing their thing down there and then travel every now and then, and then you know it's just different because you know you, you you're always with them and all of a sudden you're just not, and. Obviously, it's just a change, a change of character for me because I start doing everything for my own, really, you know, <laughs> as mentioned in, in, in other podcasts, uh, I mean, in other episodes. So it's like I, I'd say that would be one of the most impactful because it's not like just emotional, but it's more like, you know, like 
walking into like cold air it just takes your breath away like ah type of scenario <laughs> yeah because how long were you with your family for before like you ended up being by yourself i'd say like 20 years 22 years 22 years before like you were like officially alone walking into an empty house yeah pretty much man yeah that's a that's a long time and then to go from you know because it was the four of you there and then to be just by yourself how was like that first feeling besides like the shock yeah yeah my parents were well the first feeling like you walk in and it's like I'm alone. And then later it's like, Oh, I'm alone. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, you have it ups and it's downs. Um, but, um, but you know, I knew my parents would be visiting every now and then. Cause it's not like they sold their property yet. It was just, uh, Hey, they're tired of the cold. Let's get the hell out of here. And you know, they could, so they did. Um, and then as for my sister, it's like, you know, she was already in college, so it's not like she wasn't like there all the time, but she was back from college and then that's it. You know, it was just, I don't even remember the day, but then that's it. She got a road trip down to Texas and then my parents flew down to Florida and then that was that. I see. I bet your parents took it a lot harder than you did, huh? Well, yeah, because we're, I mean, we've always been split, so I know it's been harder on my mom. My dad, not so much, but definitely on my mom. All right, D, you feel that to Yeah, yeah. To answer so <laughs> my first one, and I'm not saying mine in any particular order, but I think this is probably the least like dramatic one, I guess. Um my first farewell is when I had to say farewell to Colombia when I came to the United States like to, you know, for the first time because it was um like not only why are you smiling over there, Edgar? What What's happening? Because I'm seeing you smiling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Edgar, that's a uh, creepy smile, Edgar. That's a creepy smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah watching yeah. DJ just try to keep it together. He's like kind of like, like looking into like. He, he's like waiting you for see me him to suffer. fuck up in some way. <laughs> he wants to see me fuck up. I, I know it. He's I like, know suffer. it. Suffer. <clears throat> so, it wasn't just that I was living the only leaving the only country that I've known, but I was also leaving, like the only like city almost that I've known because I had only traveled at that point maybe to like two towns outside of the city where I was, where I was born. Um, so I knew like nothing else. I knew no other languages. I knew no other cultures. I knew no other like different uh, landscapes or whatever, even within Colombia itself. So to get here and to realize that I probably wasn't ever going to, you know, be, be in Colombia in the same way that I, that I was so used to, it was very, I'm not gonna say it was like a, like they they stole it from me, but it felt like I lost my safety in a way, you know, like I lost my what what I what I what I held on to as you know my my place, and I felt very very strange in this country. I felt very strange in Miami when I got there, um, you know, didn't speak the language, so it was just fucking weird. And I always like in the back of my head, I, I, I would think about my grandmother and the safety that she represented for me and my aunts and my uncles and the fact that I could roam around so freely. And here I felt like I was locked up, locked, locked up in a, in a room for the first, I don't know, year or so. And um, 
yeah, man, I longed for it. I mean, I longed for it enough that eventually they sent me back, back over there. So, you know, I lived there for like a year and a half after ninth grade. And then, but then I came back. But Colombia has always been this thing that I'm always, that I've always been saying farewell to, like at different moments in my life. And then the final one was when I was 19. I haven't been there since I was 19. I'm 30. How old am I now? 38. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 38. So it's been 19 years uh, since I've seen Colombia. And it almost feels like every time that I go, it's a longer lapse of time before I return. So, you know, eventually I'm going to run out of life and it's going to be like a final farewell. Um, so, yeah, it's just a it's a very bittersweet thing. There's a lot of good stuff about that country and there's a lot of shit that I definitely don't miss and that I appreciate not having to live with here in the United States. But uh, but it was it's a farewell that's always been, I think, more on the sad side than than anything else. And the first time you moved, if I remember, you were like, what, like eight years old, you said? Yeah, I was eight. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine that's hard for an adult, let alone a kid, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think it, it, what made it even harder was the fact that, um, you know, my, my grandmother was my, my actual mother figure back then, as I'm sure I've said here in the podcast before, because my mom lived here for the majority of my life, or at least the life that I have memory of. She always, she, she was living here. So she was more like this distant character to, in my life. Um, so everything was new. Like there was nothing that felt safe to me here. There was nothing that felt familiar to me here. Not even my own mother. So it was just a very like foreign alien experience. Yeah. That's my first farewell. All right. So I guess we'll move on to my second one. So my second one is kind of related to my first due to the fact that I, that it was me having to, to move. In this case, it was just with a different person. So with this one, it was when I was engaged, having to say bye to that partner, which, you know, I'll leave the name out. But what made it more difficult was the fact that I'd spent so much of, of my younger years trying to be with this person, you know, having it to come to an end like that. So we met in, in middle school, we got together in high school and all my time was just invested in, you know, in trying to be with her. So during high school, we ended up separating. We went with, you know, she met another guy. I met another girl. We were, you know, separated for some time. and But we still lived in the neighborhood, so we still saw each other. Uh, fast forward a little bit, you know, it came to the point where her parents were tired of, you know, me being around because they said I was a bad influence. So they decided to to move her to Fort Lauderdale. And that for me was like, okay, so now it's going to be even more difficult for me to see her and, and try to build the relationship that at that time we didn't have. But I was like, okay, so it's all over. There's nothing for me to do. They told me if I went anywhere near her, they were going to call the cops and have me arrested. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? But me, yeah. So me being the reckless guy that I was, I was like, fuck it. I was like, you know, whatever they put in front of me, you know, I, I got to overcome every obstacle. To me, I just saw it as a challenge, not so much as like me being in trouble. Oh, it just, to me, it was just like a game. It was like, okay, you want to put this, you know, you want to fuck with me, then I'm going to fuck right back. So coincidentally, one of our mutual friends ended up uh, flying in. He had already moved to California. He comes, you know, he flew in to say hello. He asked me if I can drive him to visit their house because he was closer to that family than I was. So I was like, perfect. This is my opportunity. 
So I drove him over there and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to cause any trouble. I dropped him off. I stayed in the car, but I parked at several houses down the street. So I said, I'm just going to give him some time. And then when he's done, you know, whatever, we'll drive back. Cause I sure as I wasn't going to drive back and forth. To my surprise, I get a knock on my window and it was her stepdad telling me to come in, which to me, I thought it was just a trap. So I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll stay in the car. He's like, no, no, come on in. You know, it's going to be fine. So we go inside and I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody, which was really uncomfortable. Eventually I end up, you know, befriending them again, showing them that I could be trusted and they allow us to see each other again. So I invest time. She invests time in that relationship. We made it work. We got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, there's no question. This is going to be the one. On one of our vacations, I decided to propose. We got together. And fast forward some more time. Things happened at one point where everything just started crumbling. And I had to make the, the hard decision to, to call it off and not just call it off, but I decided just to pack all my shit and, and take off, which was very devastating because, you know, I had to tell her that this wasn't going to work. I wasn't the man for her. And, you know, I was going to have to find my way to my surprise later on, I ended up finding out that what really pissed her off wasn't the fact that I was separating, but the fact that I didn't ask her to come with me. So I honestly, that, that didn't even cross my mind. I just thought I was like, like a horrible guy. I thought it was like useless. I didn't think I was man enough. I was just like, fuck it. You know, I, I don't make anybody happy right now. So I asked her to see her one last time, told her, you know, like, you know, I'm sorry. I apologized numerous times. And she actually took the time to get me an Atlas because we didn't have GPS and like highlight the road all the way from, from Miami to California, which was a fucking long ass trip. And she wrote, you know, whenever you come back, this is the way to my heart. I said goodbye to her and he put that on top of dropping off my brother the next day. And there was a lot of Ted Shears for almost those 3000 miles. And I, I was wondering, you know, for, for those two days that I drove, wondering if I had made the right choice and if I should turn around and drive back. So that was very devastating. And then trying to go through that in a new place, a new city, new people, new job, you name it. It was, it was very, very difficult. So that was one of my toughest farewells. And to this day, I still think about it if I had made the right choice at that time. And why is it that your farewells <laughs> always end with you driving off into the distance, man? Yeah, this time, you know, there was nobody. Yeah, no. No, don't, don't take that from Diego. He got on a plane. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, country. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, at least in this case, you know, she wasn't standing behind me, you know, and me seeing through the rearview mirror. This was just the night before I went to drop off my brother. So she's so actually the one that. That's all with a route back to her heart. Yeah. I mean, in this case, <laughs> she's the one that, that drove out. Yeah, it was. And, That's uh, cool, though, uh, with the Atlas and, and highlighting it. That's cool detail. Yeah, which came in handy because I fucking couldn't find my way around. You know, trying to <laughs> drive by yourself and fucking use one of those Atlas is a pain in the ass. But oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was it was definitely impactful. And, you know, luckily I didn't have to drive off. She did because she came to see me. So I watched her drive off. Was so, it yeah. raining? No, but that would have added, added on to like you know the whole cinematic effect. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
and some violin store, just that. some dude playing it. <laughs> <laughs> playing outside, that would been perfect. It's like damn violin guy. <laughs> every, every, every city you drive through, just a violin store. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Damn. All right. Uh, so, oh. Whoa, whoa. It's like Coronita getting to you. Or Corona, I'm sorry. It's a man's no, drink. I'm just coughing. <laughs> um, you call it a I was going to say, okay, my topic was going to be, like, these aren't in any order, but I'm going to bring up my aunt Gladys. She recently passed, I'd say about two months now, in Colombia from COVID. Okay, so the reason why... Um, the the reason why this was kind of like impactful as a farewell is because it brought COVID into reality. You know, it's not something I'm reading about. It's not a statistic that I was obsessing over. It's not, I heard from this person. No, it's, you know, my actual family, my dad's sister. And that, that farewell like brought COVID into reality into everybody, you know, my, my dad uh, dealing with the passing, his, uh, his sisters, I mean, it, it, and you know, it's just, and I remember when we first found out that conversation that, uh, my sister calls me, who's it? My sister. Yeah. My sister calls me. She's like, Oh man, she's not doing well. It looks like uh, she just passed type of thing. And then, uh, and then I'm like, shit, how do we tell my dad? You get me? And then you know, we go and, and she tries to reach my mom and I try to call my mom so we can see if if uh, if they're together. I mean, she was calling my dad to see if they were together or separate. So we can inform my mother so she could be present when he found out. So at the same time, you know, in Miami, my cousins, right, they're all we all find out. So each one is trying to make it to their mother. In other words, to one of the sisters um, so that they're there when they got the, the, the news. You know, they don't want okay. anybody to find out. So hmm. so it was like this whole thing with the cousins. I remember my cousin Maria. She's like, oh, no, nobody tell my mom until I'm home. Don't say anything like that. And, and obviously, it, you know, that just brought it to reality. And that's just something I won't forget. Now, my own herself, like I was never really that close to her for me to like emotionally be like, Oh no, you know, my aunt and, and like, you know, like even like, like cry or, or, or like, you know, yanto type of thing over it. But it's just knowing that my dad did and his sisters did. And it's like, Hey, yeah, you know, there is somebody in my family that was affected and has died from it. And as far as we know, you know, so far, nobody else, but doesn't mean it can't happen. And then just having that there is, um, you know, is obviously obviously meaningful to to all of us. Yeah, it's crazy how you end up feeling somebody else's pain. You know, even if you may not be close to that one person, just seeing your people suffer, you know, makes you f- feel that. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, especially when. When you can't even relate because you're not feeling their same emotion, you know, it's just compassion for them. Hmm. When's the, uh, when, I know you weren't closer, but when was the last time that you saw her? Or was it several years apart? 
Um, I'd say years. I'd say the last time I saw her, I was probably in Colombia. Can't even recall, like five years, six years, maybe before. So like, I don't know, I'd say eight to 10 years. I'd say eight years. Oh, no, wait. For my grandma's birthday, everyone was present. So that was like five years ago, six years ago. Okay, so at least you saw her at some point. And how's your yeah. your family, you know, still dealing with it? Because it hasn't been that long. No, I mean, my mom says my dad gets um, sad every now and then. And, and it's just that when he remembers, you know, obviously, like, you don't forget. It's your sister. Yeah. So, so that, but, I mean, as for the rest of the family in Colombia, like, I, I really don't talk to them regularly. To know, but I'm sure it's, it's, it's similar things because we have uh, my dad in Miami with his sisters, except for one who still lives in Colombia. So I'm sure, like with all the cousins, you know, it's just it's the same emotions. It's not like one sister is like less affected or something. No, nah, yeah, siblings are siblings, and that never goes away. Yep. All right, D. What do you got for us? All right, my second one, uh, and I'm putting this one second only because it's, uh, I don't know, there's like a, a bit of it remaining in my life. But anyway, the second one is uh, my saying farewell to my marriage. Like, not specifically to my ex-wife, because I was fucking ready to leave her, but uh, but to the marriage, like the lifestyle, the the settling the feeling of being settled the feeling of being like having that part of your life figured out the safety of marriage the structure that it gives your life that whole thing that was such a huge part of my life for 11 years um saying farewell to all that i think that's probably one of the most uh one of the most impacting uh, moments of my life. One of the two most impactful moments, two or three top, top three most impactful moments of my life. Um, the loneliness that I felt after that point, after 11 years of being used to one type of lifestyle, that's hard to describe. Like, especially on those days that I, that I didn't have my kids sitting alone in my couch, drinking some whiskey, crying, <laughs> It's just, it's hard, man. But I'll say this though. After, uh, after the morning period, I don't mean like after the next morning. I mean, after the morning as an uh, morning for something. Um, after the period of mourning, then came a period of like celebration because then began a season of self discover of rediscovery of myself. Cause I, you know, it's, I mean, for God's sake, it was like 11 years, you know, where I was attached to someone else and where I was known as just a married guy. And again, I had so much of my life kind of like settled just because that's part of being married. But when you're alone after that long and after calling yourself someone's husband, you got to kind of like rebuild yourself. You got to figure out 
you know, who you are now. You got to figure out who you want to be. It's an opportunity, you know, to change some shit if you've been wanting to deep down inside. And uh, and, uh, an opportunity for, like, exploration. And I explored in many ways. Uh, An opportunity for self-discovery. An opportunity for just, yeah, rebuilding. So, like, after after the difficulty and after the sadness of like feeling like my life had kind of like been dismantled, the farewell became a positive thing because it allowed me to kind of like settle into this new version of myself that I really, really liked much, much more than the previous. Um, so yeah, that was a farewell that I think had its sadness, but then it's joy afterwards. And that's a, it's a pretty important one. So for someone that may be going through the same thing right now, how did you get through those moments of silence? I know everybody's different and they handle things differently, but like, you know, through that time of mourning, like, how'd you keep your head up, you know? Whiskey. And, um, (laughs) uh, no, the truth is that, um, I I guess I'm kind of a masochist in that sense. And I, I didn't really try to numb it, man. Um, with with anything like with substances or with uh, other activities or with hobbies or anything like that, I really just kind of allowed myself to feel that pain and to feel that emptiness and to feel that void until until I was done feeling it until I was done entertaining it, until I was done, um, until it felt uncomfortable to be static and to be stagnant. Um, there were, there re- I reached the point when it just felt like that's it. I'm, I'm done now, you know? So I think I'm not saying that that is advice to anyone because everybody has different ways of approaching things, but, um, because of other aspects of my life, I was just ready to just feel the pain. No, no anesthesia. And, um, but yeah, I'm glad I'm, I handled it. I think in the way that that made sense for me. So. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to handle it. Cause it's like, okay, you expose yourself, you feel the pain and then, you know, you get through it. Uh, some people try to do everything to avoid that pain and right. eventually just find themselves right back there. And, realize oh i should have just gone through the pain in the first place mm-hmm. yeah, i think i think pain is kind of like a ghost man if you don't if you don't conquer the fear of it you, it, it haunts you chases you yeah and i think that's what people have it confused that they're they block out the pain because they don't want to deal with it but feeling whatever it is that you're going to feel is is okay is what you do with it that could either be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, you can feel sad, you can feel angry, you know, you can feel anything you want to feel, but if you're harming yourself or harming others because you are feeling upset, that's a whole different other thing. But I think it's healthy to go through all those feelings. You have to. At one point or another, the feelings are going to come out. Yeah, and it's better to deal with it deal with it in the present than prolong it and, and extend a period of mourning, you know? that's not That's not healthy because then you're – you're pushing off what could be new seasons of your life. You know, they're going to, they're going to have to come later because you've been refusing to deal with the reality of your pain. If you watched WandaVision, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's a great example right there. And I'm not even joking. 
Mm-hmm. WandaVision is essentially, did you finish it, Edgar? No, but I know why you're, you're saying it. Yeah, you, WandaVision essentially is a show about grief, like masquerading as a superhero show. And that shit is real, man. Like the, the need to go through the steps of, of grief to be able to find yourself ready for the other side. Um, you, you, you're, you're slowing down your life. You're like putting your life on slow in slow motion by refusing to go through it, to feel it. Yeah. Cause I think if you hadn't allowed yourself to feel everything you felt, you know, you wouldn't have been open, you know, to be in the relationship that you're in now, you know, and that's why it's working out. It's healthy. You're happy, you know, cause you, you gave yourself that time. Absolutely. <clears throat> all right well i'm definitely glad i'm not the last one in this because i don't want to end on a on a sad note but my number three like i said is connected to my other two because it's because of this one that my other two actually happened so for me and i said this i think pretty much on every episode in the past two and and this third season was you know my my best friend at the time passing away so as we've covered, you know, to me, friends are very important and, you know, they're just as close to me as my family is. And I don't know what I would do with the friends that I actually hold close to my heart. Cause there's people that I know there's acquaintances, you know, there's people that you work with and stuff like that, but the people that you can actually count on, you know, in this case, like my two brothers right here, it's, it's very rare. And to hold a relationship like me and the guys have you, it doesn't happen very often and not so many people are lucky. So as we've, as we've covered before, I've gone through different stages, but I've always had like a set group of friends. And in this case, it was my friend that I met when I had just, I believe I was ending middle school and I started high school. And he's actually one of the reasons why I met the girl that I eventually was going to marry. And he lived in my neighborhood, which I had no clue. So because we were so similar, even though he was a year older than I was, we ended up hitting it off. And he's actually the person that took me to my first strip club. And I would always tell him he was sick in the head. He was always, he was so perverted and, you know, there's nothing he could take serious. We had somewhat like the same mentality when it came to all that stuff. And maybe I can see why you, (laughs) and and maybe I am the way I am now because of that. You know, I, I was exposed to so much stuff. But him and I became very, very close to the point where like, you know, it was it was weird to see one person without the other. And, you know, whenever I was having a, a tough time, he was the one that I went to and vice versa. And he's actually the first person that I went to after I had sex for the first time. You know, he was like the older brother that I didn't have. You know, it's different when you have an older sister. So him and I, like I said, we, we all that. I think you should have specified that you, the first person you went to after you had sex, <laughs> not when you had sex. That's yeah. After. Okay. Yeah. After. See, I thought I heard it that way and I'm like, oh, it's just me. But now that you said it, Diego, it's no, like, no. okay. Yeah. Then you should clarify. Okay. And everybody else, audience, go ahead and admit it that you were thinking the same thing. All right. Well, I'll make sure to leave this and I will uh, edit it. I bet you, I bet you someone's like, I knew it. <laughs> After three seasons, it's like, yeah, no, it makes sense. So, yeah, he's the first person that I went to after I had sex. And, you know, he was like, bro, about fucking time. And he's like, next time, let me join. He was just that kind of sick. He's like, bro, three-way, this and that. And, and like, we would rely on each other for many, many things. So eventually, you know, we ended up, well, he ended up graduating high school and I was still there. 
but whenever I needed to skip, I would go to his house or, you know, he, he definitely made it life very entertaining when his relationship wasn't going very well. You know, he was going through some tough times and that's when I brought this up before that, you know, he kind of confided me to say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about moving and, and, you know, what do you think this and that? And I was like, yeah, man, you know, it's always good to try something new, go for it. If, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, just come on back. So he, he left and I think it had been like maybe, I want to say almost a year, maybe more. I lost track of time during, during those events, but he, he moved to Arizona. We talked almost every single day. He would, you know, call me when he was getting high or he would call me when he would be in the bathroom. He would call me just for no, absolutely no fucking reason. But we were able to talk for a very long time every time we spoke. So eventually I called him to tell him that I was engaged and you know, I told him that, Hey, when we have the wedding, you know, you're going to be my best man. So he's like, yeah, bro. He's like, I'll definitely fly back. This and that. We had so many plans after a while, like, um, <clears throat> after a while, it got harder, like to, to kind of stay in contact. And I thought we had lost contact just because, you know, whatever life takes over. Sometimes I was in a relationship. He was, you know, in a whole different new place. And, uh, I think it was maybe like, a week, maybe more. I don't know. Like I said, I lost track of time that I didn't hear from him. So I was like, you know, it's fucking strange. We had had a very meaningful conversation the week before. And, and I'm, I'm very glad I got to tell him I love him, you know, just like I tell everybody else. The part that made it very difficult was that his family was trying to get a hold of me. When they finally found out that I had changed my numbers, they got a hold of me. I was actually on my way to buy some material for, for the carpentry company. As I was driving back on the turnpike, I get a phone call from them. I didn't know the number, but I ended up picking up anyways. And it was one of his sisters. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was more difficult for them to tell me the news or me receive it. I don't know. But they told me that he had passed away. I I was in shock that I had to pull over because I, I didn't know what to do with myself besides just beat on the steering wheel. And... Mind you, at that time, I wasn't the person I am today, you know, very easygoing. I was a very angry individual and I carried that with me everywhere I went. They give me the bad news. I end up driving back to, to the shop. I give back my dad his truck. I grab my Mustang and I push that car like I never pushed it before to go back to my house to change so I can go visit his family. When I was at my family's house, my mom had already received a phone call from my dad you know, telling her the news. I walked into my bedroom and I was so fucking fired up that I ended up destroying my entire room. Like there was nothing left. I ended up going to their house. Uh, my fiance at the time met me over there. The sisters told me the news again because I still didn't believe it. And I don't think I've ever cried as hard as I did, you know, for those couple of days. And to the point where like I dropped to my knees and I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to talk to people. It was It was very, very hard. And the one that got me through it was actually, you know, the girl that I was engaged to. Otherwise, I don't think I would have made it. But this led me to, to, you know, end the relationships and decide to move. But the most difficult part was actually going to the funeral because by that point, I, I, I didn't get to see him. It was, uh, they had cremated him because what took his life was a gun shot to the head. So it ended up like destroying part of his face. And it would have been a closed casket, but, you know, they decided to cremate him. So all I was able to hold was just, you know, a, a small container. 
and going to to that gravesite and putting him in there and you know saying goodbye to him for you know the very last time was something I don't want to relive again but yet 15 years later that shit still hits me like it was just yesterday so like I said that's what led me into my other two you know goodbyes saying goodbye to my brother saying goodbye to that relationship and and just trying to leave but there is no distance that you can go it's always on your mind you can't escape your mind so I would have to say that is the toughest one and it's my number one when it comes to dealing with it and difficulty ah that shit's hard man that's uh I never I've never uh, I've never had to live that not with someone that close must be must be yeah me, me neither but uh not something obviously looking forward to <laughs> not at all <laughs> all right um i guess my topic so last topic would be farewell to my childhood that is definitely <laughs> hard because i miss that shit man i wish i would have known how good i had it <laughs> <laughs> I, I think know, that's like, why we we try to relive it now by Ninja Turtles and shit. Yeah, man, buy Ninja Turtles, play video games, emulators think, for the old games. I mean, you think, it, you, you think it's harder for um, for males to to let go of their childhood than it is for females? No, you don't think so. I I really don't think so. I'm well. It depends how you look at it. Is it harder for us than them? Mm-hmm. I, I, the reason I said no is because we can still get away with reliving it in a way, but I feel like females really can't because they got to portray this whole maturity level. And if they looked at us as little kids fucking buying toys and playing video games, you know, but I think it's a lot harder on them. They just don't want really? to. Yeah. What, what gives you that idea though? Because... I guess all the plastic surgery for one, you know, trying to stay young. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, well, but but that's more like that's more like trying to trying to hold on to their prime, right? So we're talking like mid twenties or whatever. Um, not necessarily to their childhood. I feel like I feel like girls all naturally kind of like start desiring and looking forward to growing older, like out of childhood and into adolescence, much more than guys do. Like. I don't remember wanting to get older just for the purpose of like abandoning my childhood. I, I just, I never had that desire. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, in my case, I don't remember thinking, oh man, I can't wait to grow up. No, I just grew up <laughs> and, and, and man, you know, it's like, I was like, I'm going to be a Toys R Us kid forever. <laughs> Toys R Us wasn't man. even Toys R Us forever. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, dang, <laughs> false advertising, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, but yeah, I feel you, man. Uh, there, there's a lot, and I think that now seeing my son, you know, it, it makes me, it makes me kind of appreciate a lot of shit from my childhood because, like, sometimes I see him, and and I know a lot of it has to do with like different different generations and all that, but I see him, I don't know wasting time sometimes when he could be doing some shit that I know was, you know, was like fun as hell as a kid. And and I'm like, why do you want to watch Dan TDM on YouTube for like the fucking hundredth time, bro? Like get, you know, I don't know. 
go draw, go read a comic, look, a whole bucket of Legos, like go, go do some shit that is, you know, fun, creative, some shit. But yeah, um, yeah. What, I was the, what was the hardest part for you growing up, Louis? Like, what was hard for you to let go? I mean, when you actually realize, oh shit, I'm fucking grown. I, I think it's like, when you look back and it's like, you know, it's just like, what is the innocence or the, the, your ignorance, I guess, as a child. Because as a child, it's like, you don't know any better of anything, you know, just that's it. You just live in life and that's how life is. And, and you get the toys you want and you do what you want to do and, and that's it. And then later on, it's not there anymore. <laughs> you got to work and shit. <laughs> so was it more difficult to leave the toys and all that kid stuff or the lack of responsibilities that you had? Ooh, I think the lack of responsibilities gave me the freedom to play with the toys. You know, <laughs> now it's like you have responsibilities, and I have toys, but I'm not gonna play with them. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think on Saturdays, I always had my Saturday plans. Like I would fucking wake up early, probably like watch. at seven in the morning, grab my cereal, watch cartoons. And then throughout the week, I had already set up like this whole fucking like episode for my Ninja Turtles and the body guys. So I had like them all lined up, prepared and all that. And I just played with them for like a good two hours. And I knew shortly after that, Richard would show up and he'd be like, all right, you know, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go ride a bike. <laughs> so we would ride bike and then, you know, we would do whatever it is we had planned for the day. And we didn't even bother coming back into the house. We would just like throw our bikes on the street grab the hose, drink some water. If we were hungry, we'd grab like a piece of bread and like a fucking sausage. And that was like our hot dog and ride back out <laughs> and then go see who else we can pull out of their house. <laughs> it was, it was entertaining, man. That little shit. Oh, well, with you and I, it was trees. That's all we fucking did was climb all the trees in the neighborhood. <laughs> I thought you were talking about marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, we guys started that young. <laughs> all the trees in the fucking neighborhood smoking left and right <laughs> all right d what's uh the final one yeah the final one is probably the one that that made for the biggest like shift of my entire life and i was saying bye to jesus um you know i've told parts of the story plenty of times in the, in the podcast but I won't rehash the whole thing but that was definitely um, the most meaningful one because of, uh, for several reasons. I think the most important reason is that God and the presence of God, like God's role in my life was the single most important thing in my existence for several, for many years. And like anybody who knew me during that time period can attest to the fact that I was sold out you know, for, for my faith. It's all I cared about. It dictated what I was going to do work-wise. It dictated what relationships I kept and what relationships I nurtured. 
It dictated what I did with my time. It dictated how I spoke, how I thought. It dictated how I lived my entire life. And most importantly, um, you know, there was a constant communication going on inside my head from me to God. So it's it's like, uh, mind you, it was a one-way conversation, right? Because God wasn't answering audibly. I wasn't nuts. But there was a conversation going on nonetheless. And I did feel like God answered in some ways or others, even if it wasn't an audible answer. And I felt that presence as if very much like that was a person, a, a an active individual in my life. Um, it wasn't a casual thing, you know. So add on to that, the fact that I saw him, you know, as a father and as somebody who was on my side and as somebody who was in favor of me. And he happened to be the master and creator of the entire universe. So I believe that nothing was going to harm me that he didn't allow. So it's like a pretty cool thing to feel that that you've got the creator of the universe on your side. And look, I know that like I'm saying all this and there's a lot of people who listen and a lot of people have different beliefs. So I'm not preaching here. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like sway anybody from one thing to another. This was my experience. And I remember the very last time that I directed a prayer towards God, that I ever spoke to God. And, um, I'm not going to go into what I said, but it was, um, it was like a breakup. It was like, uh, very much a farewell, you know? And because I had such a personable way of directing myself in prayer to God and like a conversational way, it very much felt like I was having a conversation with somebody and that was going to be the last conversation that I ever had with that person. And sure enough, it has been. <clears throat> so in many, many years, you know, since that day, I have never once felt compelled at all to say a prayer to God or to try to pray to anything or anyone. And so what I was left with right away after that was, was this feeling of loneliness because you go from like having direct connection, at least, you know, based on what my faith was having a direct connection, a direct line of communication and constant prayer and communication inside your own head as you're walking around, as you're driving, as you're getting groceries, while you're in church, while you're outside of church, while you're doing, you know, walking around your neighborhood, whatever the fuck you're doing, or I was doing, I was constantly communicating with them. So when you suddenly cut that completely, what's left is just this terrible silence, you know? And then in difficult moments, of course, my instinct was to immediately go to God, you know? And so I would engage him in prayer, I would engage him in worship, or I would go to the Bible and and, and I, I felt like that was in the pages of the Bible, 
I knew he was going to speak to me somewhere, like somewhere I was going to turn to, somewhere I was going to felt guided to. And there was a voice and there was his voice going to be in there in black and white. So not having that meant like removing my entire psychological and emotional safety net. Um, it is, it is having grown dependent on a thing like a substance almost and going cold Turkey. You don't have any of the benefits that came along with that, but I was so, I did it with such clarity and conviction that there was no turning back for me. Like I knew what I was, I knew why I did what I did. And I knew, I knew that, uh, there was never going to be a point of return, you know? So, so yeah, man, it, there was two years I spent in, I think what was, what was an existential crisis for me? Like I, 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 for, I just lost like who I was in a way and, and I had to rebuild. It was fucking hard, man, but I don't regret a single moment of it. And I like being able to live my life knowing that I'm not, um, anesthetizing myself from reality, the reality of my feelings, the reality of the shit that occurs around me, the reality of my responsibility, the reality of people hurting me, the reality of whatever happens in life, you know, I'm taking it head on. I'm not, uh, I don't need, um, I don't need anything to make it, uh, to give me the illusion that, um, that anybody except for me has control over my reaction to whatever happens in my life. And, um, and it was very incredible to me how, how quickly I got used to that silence and how quickly I realized like, wait, actually a lot of the things that I thought were this other presence in my life are actually me, you know, they were me all along. And, um, I think that at least the way that I practice my faith, I saw myself as a child and I saw God as a father. I saw myself as the sheep and I saw him as the shepherd. I saw myself as a servant and he was the master. And there's a sense of like independence when you no longer have that, you know, you, you, you no longer have the luxury, the luxury of being a child. You got to be a man or a woman. Um, you no longer have the luxury of being a sheep. You got to make your own way. You got to lead. You no longer have the luxury of feeling like you're constantly oppressed. Like you got to leave that mentality and take responsibility for your own life. And again, just carve your own path. So yeah, that was, I think by far the most difficult farewell that I've ever had to, had to say, but in the long term, it ended up giving me the biggest benefit, I think as well for me, in my own personal journey. And this so was, there's a, there's a positive point to end on. <laughs> and this was before or after your marriage? This was before. So you pretty much went to, through two breakups back to back almost. Yeah. Yeah. Within a matter of like three years or three and a half years, I think that those two things happened. That's why, that's why to me, like that period of time was like, I really <laughs> went in a very different direction in my life. I feel like it was like a, a rebirth in a way. 
like I said, I'm glad I wasn't the one to end this. It was a, <laughs> a better note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, um, with everything that we've spoken, what would have to be your number one topic? Like out of your own categories, what do you guys feel like it was your topic? Like which one out of the three that you said was the one that hit home? If you guys remember your topics. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I had cursing and I had aliens. <laughs> What's the other one I had? Fake news. Oh, yeah. Fake news. D, you mm-hmm. remember your three? Uh, mine were outer space and power. Uh, that's right. Power. That was my last one. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite one. The other one I know was leveling up. Yeah, leveling up. That's probably that's probably number two, but I like I like the power one. I think from mine most. Okay, Lou, which one did you say? Um, I would say the cursing one. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, mine obviously was the sex one. You know, I feel like it's the one that I kind of really got into. No point intended. <laughs> I was about to say, did you know? <laughs> All right, guys. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed another episode. Uh, this brings us to the conclusion of season three. So let's recap. Nine topics. Fake news and bad words such as fuck. To leaders, power and leveling up. Human behavior and making her moan. To asking the question, space, are we alone? With that, farewell to the day we meet. And there's nothing left to say but drop that beat. Beat! I like that. That was so poetic. (laughs) Remember to hit subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. You can get in touch with the guys at brosofbanter at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Nadie es eterno en el mundo ni teniendo un corazón Keep recording, though. <laughs> yeah, it's still recording, dude. We can keep singing. Oh, shit. Do it, You're Diego. welcome, everybody out there for the performance. That was a little interlude. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Imagine noise.